0: Thanks for tuning in to the Caleb Hires podcast. For more great content like this, head to calebhires.com or check out The Resting Place at therestingplacetampa.com. I love the Old Testament. I am a millennial who loves the Old Testament. Come on, they exist. Let me give you some hope. They exist. I'm one of them. I have friends. And I love it because it's a tutor. It's a type and shadow. It reveals Jesus to me. You know, it brings us into an awareness of who Christ really is, and it says that there's types and shadows. Everything written before is for our instruction. It's types and shadows, but the substance belongs to Christ. So, for us to say silly things like we don't need the Old Testament anymore, that's just foolish. That is foolishness. Now, some things ended at the cross, like animal sacrifices. Anyone happy about that? Yeah, <laughs> that was their worship service, y'all. Bah. <laughs> sprinkle you with blood thank you for coming to church that was their worship gathering I'm right about this all right (laughs) look it up so some things ended at the cross hallelujah some things passed through the cross like all the promises of God hello and some things began at the cross like a new covenant in his blood in his body The new, fresh way to access God. And we're going to talk about that today because Christ is our veil. Christ is our veil. And the veil that was torn is a prophetic and potent picture of Christ's body being torn for us. So I want to discover that with you today. Uh, I have Hebrews 10, 20 for you in the Passion Translation. This is kind of the core verse. It says, I'm sorry, I didn't put the black background on that. That's my fault, not theirs. I got to give the AV credit. You know, I got give to give my crew credit. That's my bad right there. It says, he has dedicated a new life-giving way. Let's say this together, a new life-giving way. Come on, if it's not life-giving, it's not new covenant." If it drains you, no, girl, don't shut it down. I saw you flinch. Say it. That's right. Say it loud. It's a free house. You can be whatever. You do it. I'll stop you if you're being too free. It ain't going to happen. So a new life-giving way for us to approach God. So if your approach to God is not life-giving, it's not in Christ. If it's not that, it's not New Covenant. New covenant reality is all from the inside out. New covenant teaching can be tested by this one thing. It, does it start on the inside and come out? Or is it on the outside trying to get in? Old covenant is outside, external uh, encounters with God. In, new covenant is internal habitation of God. Becoming the Holy of Holies on two legs. Any teaching that says it's on the outside trying to get in is old covenant. That's an Old Covenant paradigm. So while we need the New Testament, we also need to see it through the lens of the New Covenant. You following me? Come on. If you're new to church and I'm using a bunch of words that you don't understand, I'm sorry. I've been doing this thing for a while. I got saved when I was eight. Went from the womb to the pew, all right? So I just got, I got church language. I do. I'm sorry. Holy Ghost will sort it out in your brains, all right? I'm not trying to put the cookies on the bottom shelf. I'm trying to get you hungry for something, all right? So... For just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to Him. That's a radical statement. Just as the veil was torn in two, Just as the veil was torn into, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access. So, I'm going to give you the story when Jesus was on the cross and he shouted, Kala, which is the Aramaic word for finished, consumado in Spanish. Anyone have a King James Spanish Bible? Look it up in John. It says consumados or consumadoes. It's consummated, it's Kala, it's I've won my bride. The word Finnish to use was not Greek, teletastai, or teletastai, I don't know how to say it. That he did not speak Greek, he spoke Aramaic, Galilean Aramaic. And let me just give you this little nugget from the shelf of Caleb's fun things that he likes. He, <laughs> I just found a shelf and named it just now. <laughs> Biblical Hebrew isn't spoken anymore. Biblical Greek isn't spoken anymore. You know what is spoken? Galilean Aramaic. It's in Syria. You go to the streets of Syria, they will speak Galilean Aramaic. And Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will remain. Multiple meanings with that statement there. I think it's important to to look at the original language, the language that God came to the earth and actually spoke. I know it's in Greek in your Bible. I get that. But we have Aramaic texts as well. Not complete, but it's there. Okay? Take some scholarly digging. But it's there. And Jesus did not say the Greek word finished. He said the Aramaic word for consummated, completed, I've won my bride. And the blood covenant began. We have children and we're streaming and I'm not going to get graphic. But there's a reason for this language. And there's a reason for marriage being the perfect expression of Christ in the church. Because when you come into union with another person... There's a blood covenant when it's the first time and all that. That's a blood covenant. I'm, try, I'm being gentle. We can't talk about sex in church. Somehow it's so perverted we don't get the pure version anymore. It's, sex is not evil. It's not perverted. Your perspective might be perverted. But there's a pure version to every perversion. And so Jesus began the blood covenant, the covering of the blood. All right with this and when he said it is finished the veil of the temple that kept the holy of holies separate from the holy place there's there's the holy of holies the inner court the outer court and then the court of the gentiles okay there's all these there's these different sections of the tabernacle and you could not go into the holy of holies to experience the presence of god the presence of god was in the ark of the covenant are you following me Who is here for my carrier's message? This is really going to hit home. Yeah, okay. On uh, Christmas, the 23rd of December. And the ark that carried the presence was behind the veil. So the presence of God was separated from the people of God. Only the high priest could go in to the presence of God once a year and after a whole bunch of rituals. Again, outside in. And when Jesus said, it is finished, when he shouted, when he said, bride, when he shouted your name, and then you were born from his side, blood and water hit the ground. The veil was torn. He shouted your name, gave birth to you, and ripped that veil off your face. All in one shot, like that. I don't have time to stop and dwell on these mysteries. I have a lot of notes I got to get into here. In the ESV, the same verse, 10, 19 through 20, says, Brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. So, I want to talk about the veil today because Christ is our veil, torn open for us. And a little note that you might have to get extra biblical to find. A lot of expositors believe that the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. We all know that. That's what it says in the Bible. But they believe that a little piece was stopped at the bottom. That there was still connection at the bottom. That it was ripped, not in two, like two different pieces. It was ripped open and a little piece remained at the bottom to prove no one ripped it from the bottom up. Many expositors, many scholars believe that. And so that's just an amazing kind of dweeby Caleb Shelfism. I don't know. I love that. It proves it. God does things so intentionally, right? So I have 20 minutes. I'm going to go really fast. I have a picture of the veil for you. This isn't necessarily the most accurate or whatever. I just Googled one yesterday when I was driving home, uh, riding in the car home from Orlando. And so here is the veil. On the other side, you know, this is the veil that would separate The Holy of Holies. There's the candlestick and the table. And I'm not going to go into all those pictures. But I want you to look at this picture while I read Exodus 26, 31 through 34. Because these are the instructions for the veil originally. Because there was a tabernacle in the wilderness. And this is the temple veil. Same construction, okay? And hopefully you'll go with me today into the mystery of you are looking at a picture of Jesus before he was crucified right now. This is a picture of Christ before he's crucified, and the ripping of the veil is the moment of crucifixion, I'm going to prove it to you, Exodus 26, verse 31 through 34, if you're taking notes, this is God's instructions, it says, you shall make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet yarns, yarns, not yarns, that would be boring, yarns, this is not a boring veil, I don't know if you can tell, it's pretty amazing, and fine twined linen, it shall be made with cherubim skillfully worked into it. That's one of the problems I have with this. At the very top of the, the veil, there should be two cherubim. There should be the two cherubim that were on the same ones on the ark should be sewed into the top of the veil, okay? Um, so the two angels at the top of the veil, you should have two angels at the very top up there, Um <clears throat> Where did I lose it? You shall, oh, the cherubim skillfully worked into it. You shall hang it on four pillars of acacia overlaid with gold. That's the four pillars. With hooks of gold on four bases of silver. And you shall hang the veil from the clasps and bring the ark of the testimony in there within the veil. And the veil shall separate for you the holy place from the most holy place. You shall put the mercy seat on the ark of the testimony in the most holy place. Now, Matthew 27, 51 is where it says, the veil was torn from top to bottom. So this thing went, whoosh, top to bottom. The moment Jesus cried out, it is finished. The moment he cried out, cala, finished, consumado es, for our Spanish-speaking friends. And the two cherubim that were woven in the top are the exact same two. It's the same word for cherubim that's used in Genesis three twenty four. Does anyone know what happened in Genesis 3? The fall where Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, and two cherubim were set in at the doorway of the garden, not letting them in. By the way, it's the garden in Eden, not the garden of Eden. There's a garden in Eden. Eden's a lot bigger than the garden. Okay, I can't. Caleb, (laughs) just, just read your notes. Okay. There were two woven at the top. I'm sorry, it's not on the picture. And in Genesis three twenty four, it says, he drove out the man and at, at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim with a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Okay, so man fell, all that stuff, they were kicked out of the garden, it was guarding the tree of life. So what is this veil guarding? The tree of life. Mm-hmm. The spiritual entities guarding the way into paradise were separated at Jesus' crucifixion. This is just Caleb's opinion. Say, Caleb's opinion, this would be something that you would call a revelation that is not supported by scripture and therefore I'm couching it in my opinion. This is Caleb's opinion. That sword that God gave the cherubim, that's, I believe that's the sword Holy Ghost picked up to rip it from the top to the bottom. I believe God took that very same sword and went and cut that thing in half. That's just my opinion. That's how I see it. When I get up to heaven and watch the movie with you, we'll find out. (laughs) Right? Ha, ha. That same sword, and that's important, guys. There was a sword, a flaming sword separating people from the garden, from the tree of life. And then one day, the climax of history here. That veil was ripped in half. Those cherubim were separated and the way was opened. Aren't you glad that the way is not shut? The dead have not made it and the dead do not keep it. Any Lord of the Rings fans? Sorry. I just lost like 25%, 50% of you. Anyway, I'm a little bit of a movie buff. So, this way is not shut, it is opened. It is open for us. And so if you're bored, just stick with me here. When it says, you shall hang it on four pillars of acacia wood covered in gold. That's Exodus 26, 32. I'm telling you, this is a picture of Christ hanging on the tree. His arms and legs are the four pillars of acacia wood. Here's his arms. Here's his legs. How can I say that? How can you say these things, Caleb? Well, the word acacia comes from the, the Hebrew word shotet, and it literally means a scourging or a whipping. It's wood that's been whipped. It's wood that's been pierced, scourged. In Joshua 23, verse 13, it uses the same word for acacia wood as a whip. It uses it as a whip. You shall use a whip. Come on. I'm just trying to get you, welcome you into the mysteries of this thing. So there's four places covered in gold that are called the pierced, whipped branches. Yeah, let me just say a mystery right here. I was going to save it for the end. Jesus is the tree of life. I am the vine. You are the... He is the tree of life. If you do a, like an x-ray of your body, your inner, energy, raise your arms, you look like a tree on the inside with your ribs and your spine, your roots. Thank you. I'm glad. Jesus is the tree of life. He's the veil and the tree of life. Mm. Come on, it's good. And it's covered in gold. And I love this stuff because it's just, I'm just a dweeb when it comes to looking at words. God, you know, uses this word, a, a pierced wood covered in gold. Come on. Gold is always a picture of kingship, by the way, in Scripture. And this word actually means to shimmer gold. It means something gold colored. Or as, it can literally mean oil. Like oily. It should be covered in the oily stuff that shimmers gold. Are you getting the picture? It can also mean a clear sky or fair weather. Isn't that interesting? Why am I bringing that up? Because he, earlier in Hebrews ten nineteen, it says, He welcomes us to come into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm, in the sky realm, in the fair weather realm, covered in the fair weather one. Come on, don't you love a nice day? Who who loves a nice day? You know, everybody loves a nice day. I had some really nice days in Dominican Republic, San Juan, Puerto Rico, and the Grand Turks. I I had some nice days last week, all right? (laughs) In fact, I wrote this in San Juan in a little, you know, St. John and the rich port of Puerto Rico. Ooh, I'm spilling stuff up here. So is the Lord. Psalm of Solomon 514 says, of the bridegroom king, it says, his arms are rods of gold. In the description of the bridegroom king, the one that comes to rescue and save the Shulamite bride, his arms are rods of gold. Hello, oh Jesus! And the word for rod—get—are you sitting down? Okay, everyone's sitting down. Good. The word for rod literally means to roll away a reproach or to roll away a stone. It's the same word for Galal. When today I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you, Jesus said, or God said to the Israelites. His arms are rods of gold. Even in His crucifixion, even in His death, He's prophesying three days later, I'm going to roll the reproach away. I'm going to roll the stone away. This is years before Jesus came. Hundreds of years. Are you following me? Is this amazing? Yes, I think so. The last thing there is that it's built on four bases of silver. You might not be able to see it, but these little, the bottom parts are not gold. These are silver. Okay, four bases of silver. And I looked up the word silver because, you know, silver is actually always a biblical picture of redemption. It's built on redemption. The veil is based in redemption. The thing that separated the people is based in redemption. You thought God was trying to keep you away from something good. But God separated you for your redemption. Young kids, young people, middle school, high school, young age people, listen to me. If God says don't do it, it's a separation for redemption purposes. He's protecting you. I have compromised on godly conviction. You know what it gave me? Pain. Lots of pain. Don't do that. See the one who has hung on a tree for us based in redemption. Let anything God says don't do that become a veil for you. Amen. Amen. So this word silver here is actually kasaf, and the, the this is gonna. I, I maybe it'll just blow me away again. I don't know. It blew me. Away. I hope it blows you away. It's literally the word for Hebrew word for a longing to long for something. The base of the veil is a longing. God built a veil, a separating thing, on a longing. What a longing for what? It's the same word that's used in Psalm 84, when it says, David says, my soul longs, yes, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. Oh, somebody's, somebody's really going to get this. Somebody's, I can feel the spirit of revelation in this room right now. David longed for the courts of the Lord, and so did the son of David. What was behind the veil? The presence of God, the tree of life. Kept in a box. And from its inception, the son of David was longing for the courts. When that veil was torn, the spirit of God was poured out without measure onto the earth. You understand? Listen to me. If the temple's ever rebuilt, God won't be in it. Don't give your money to it. If they find the ark, God won't be in it. I found the ark. I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking. God is not living in a house made with human hands any longer. He has opened with his flesh the new and fresh life giving way, access to God. And not only do we get to go in, he got to get out. This moment, this moment in the crucifixion, this moment of Jesus being torn open for us was not just a you being invited in. It was a God being let out of the box. Come on. You need to let the Holy Ghost go. I love what Randy Clark says. He says the Holy Spirit is locked up in unbelieving believers. The Holy Ghost, this is not my statement. Don't blame me for this offense that it gives you. Come on, the cross is an offense. If your preaching doesn't offend somebody, you're doing it wrong. All right, so Randy Clark says it this way. I just want to give him credit because it's genius. He says, the Holy Spirit is often locked up in unbelieving believers. There's more believing unbelievers than there are believing believers. There's a whole bunch of people who believe in the supernatural realm, in a God or something, a spirit or something, all over the earth. When Paul says, according to spiritual things, I don't want you to be unaware. Well, we kind of are. We freak out. People start medium, being a medium and channeling energy and things like that. We freak out. All that is, I said at the beginning, is a perversion of the pure version. The devil can't create. Only thing the devil can do is pervert. So instead of getting mad at some unbeliever for doing something perverted, ask God, what is the pure version that I'm not even living up to, that I'm upset with them for using? Thanks for tuning into the Caleb Hires Podcast. For more great content like this, head to CalebHires.com or check out The Resting Place at TheRestingPlacetampa.com.